Welcome to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, a passionate and relentless pursuit of exploring how individuals use good judgment in everyday life, both in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Renata Valpe is an expert in the field of strategic leadership and people development. She is the founder of Dr. R. Valpe Leadership Consulting which has a vision to be a catalyst to the development of a more competent, positive, and healthier South Africa. Renata has sound experience in the world of business and academia, a renowned public speaker and author of publications such as The Entrepreneurial Mindshift and The Lessons from the School of Hard Knocks. Thank you so much for making the time, Renata. Oh, it's always such a pleasure to be with you. Uh, it's so good to be with you again. Um, can you tell me a bit about your upbringing? What were the most treasured memories of your childhood? Do you have siblings? Do do. That's a hot question. Yeah. Because so often people assume that everyone has good parents. Mm. So I sadly am from a family that wasn't a particularly happy family for the children. My parents had a happy marriage, but they should never have had children. They um, were post-Hitler sufferers. They lost everything during the war and came to South Africa to leave Germany behind. And, um, you know, they'd been underground together, that it's a escaped across the Rhine River to the American camps together. I think they were pretty messed up. Mm. So my memories are those of being alone. I was clothed well, I went to school, but the rest of the time it was up to me to raise myself. There was no emotional content. Um, and if there was an appeal for emotions or a, an appeal for support or an appeal for truth, um, I was made to feel wrong. Mm. So, and yes, another perhaps heavy question. I did have a brother. Um, he was a very, very bright journalist who was in the States, but he did suffer from schizotypal personality, which is where you are struggling to make contact with people on a relationship level. Mm. And eventually paranoia took um, over and um, he hanged himself when I was about, he was nine years older than I. So we didn't have a lot of contact because he left when I was about 16, but he came back to South Africa and killed himself in my mother's house and I was the one to go. Um, it just, the pain just got too much for him. Wow. He just couldn't live with the pain anymore. Yeah. And it had to do with him accepting that my mother wasn't a good woman. Mm. Because initially he and her had, had almost an incestuous relationship yeah. emotionally with me being the outsider. And then something happened in his 40s where his eyes opened yeah. and it hurt too much. Gosh, how painful is that? Thank you for that honesty. Much appreciated. Your parents, as you say, were German immigrants. Mm. Uh, how has your belief system been influenced by their heritage 
Do you speak German? I've never heard you speak German. <laughs> ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch. <laughs> But, you know, the interesting thing is that was my rebellion. I refused to speak German at some stage. So I understand it, I would say 90%. I can still read it. Um, I would have to be in Germany for three mm. months or so for it to come back. Yeah. But the universe is strange. It's bringing a lot of German people into my life. And then somewhere your brain finds the words and the communication. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't really speak it, but I wish I did. It was silly of me to be such a rebel. <laughs> well, sometimes we do was that. It's the only weapon I had. <laughs> yes. Um, and your belief system? Is it influenced I by the German heritage at all? Very much so. Very much so. Um, I think all in all, I'm a very relaxed person and very caring person. But I was a businesswoman and I ran a big company and um, I was the breadwinner for my family. So I got into autocratic mode. Um, so it's it's hasn't happened to me for a long time. Yeah. But I would get to the point of one click is enough, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I think back on that, it's quite embarrassing yeah. because in my later years, I'm much more relaxed. Relaxed. But I did get things done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so quality is important. Do it properly is important. Yeah. Otherwise, don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are the hot buttons from your past? How have you managed them to develop personal honesty and personal mastery? I think or authority. So it has, I think as you get older, and I mean, it's many years since I've left the corporate context mm. and I've been an entrepreneur for many, many years. But there was a long stage where if, um, if a gentleman, particularly in Africana, with that authoritarian attitude, with a bokibart, mm. um, my whole insides would um, respond with a sort of kind of rebellion. And one day I suddenly understood that it was doing two things to me. The one is it was making me scared mm. instead of relating as an adult, which yeah. is what I was. And the other thing is the button was making me display bad attitude. And when I took responsibility for that, I got over it. Um, but there was a lot of fear in the authority of it. Um, and I think I'm one of those people who's very aware of people's body language. So I'm a codependent in recovery, which means that I'm very sensitive to you and I take my lead from you. So if you frown or you show some aggravation, um, there's a very strong response. So I've had to train myself as an adult um, instead of leading from outside in, leading from inside out. And that's been part of my recovery. But I think in short, that is the trait of an abused childhood. Mm. Interesting. I'm learning more psychology than I did in my, <laughs> in my three years of psychology. Uh, what do you think your unique value proposition is? If you are not here tomorrow, what will we miss about you? I think people would miss my truth. Mm. Um, my friends call me relentlessly truthful. Um, I call a spade a something shovel. Um, and also that is something, I think it came from anger. I struggle with the falseness of life. I struggle with the superficiality of life. I struggle with small talk. I love real talk. I love real people. Mm. Um, so when I was younger, I think the, the irritation used to come out in, 
um, in great forthrightness that was quite rude and undiplomatic. Um, and I think now I can tell you to take a trip and, and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. become a lot more gentle and yeah. respectful. Yeah, I must say small talk is still difficult for me, <laughs> uh, which is why I think my relationships are so deep because we just like uh, leave the weather. Let's get yeah. to it. <laughs> you co-founded Believe South Africa, which is a think tank with key stakeholders in the movement against gender-based violence in South Africa and stands for gender equality. Was it inspired by a personal experience with GBV and what do you want Believe South Africa to achieve? Okay. First of all, I'll answer what's happened to Believe South Africa. So we, we had a couple of wonderful gatherings of great minds with great initiatives. We functioned without control, so we shared our projects in the hope that the people who attended our get-togethers would just go and um, res you know, multiply them, which mm. has happened, and then share them yeah. and form their own networks. Um, then we had lovely COVID, and we ah. had a huge conference planned, which of course we tried to do it virtually. It, it didn't happen. Mm. But it transformed itself into a WhatsApp group of about 50 professionals that are all somehow involved in GBV, either personally, either legally, either something like Tears Foundation or FAMSA. And we have a WhatsApp group, and if there is a situation, there's, there's no social engagement. It's just, so, do-do, I've met this young girl, this is her situation, these are the resources I'm looking for. And then some attorney will say, well, look, I'm prepared to, to get involved voluntarily and do pro bono work. Mm. And the other one will say, I know there's a resource here. So it's become a force. Yeah. Um, it's called the truth about love nowadays. Um, and if anybody is in that field and looking for resources, they join the forum. Mm -hmm. Second question, did it come from personal experience? Sadly, yes. Um, so if you know anything about emotionally abusive relationships and physically abusive relationships. Um, it doesn't matter how clever you are, how adequate you are, what your credibility is in the corporate world or public world. You choose partners that somehow reflect the adequacy or inadequacy of your parenting. So I chose an emotional abuser. Um, and uh, I didn't, it's ridiculous because here I am with a doctorate in psychology, um, healing everybody else when I remained unhealed. And only when the unhappiness and the lies in my home reached such a climax um, that everything collapsed, he had driven me to an 18% brain function ability. I was admitted a dithering wreck to a neurological ward. I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk, I couldn't eat, my jaw was stuck forward. Um, I was put into sleep therapy, therapy, all the drugs were withdrawn and it took me eight months to learn to walk. And one day I walked into the doctor's office like this and I said, Professor Modi, I hope one day I can walk again. He just looked at me and he said, you did this to yourself. Excuse me? He was right. Oh, my gosh. And my best friend, when she saw me, when she came up from Sedgefield, said, how could you have allowed this to happen? Oh. 
So the finger was pointing here. So there's nobody there when you're in that state. There's only God. So I prayed. And um, I found words. I found the word codependent. I found the word narcissist. I found the word um, sexual addiction. My husband was a sex-addicted narcissist, um, a covert one, which is much more dangerous than an overt one because if you meet him, he's charming, he's relaxed, he looks like a teddy bear. People will tell me I'm so lucky to be married mm. to a teddy bear until the door closes, then there's a, an animal. So, yes, when I recovered, I needed to unpack this because that's who I am. And the therapist said to me, don't try and unpack this. You can't. Just live. I thought, I've got to unpack this. Wow. And that was the book, Senseless Sacrifice. Yeah. Givers and takers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the ladies in my course, um, Renee, one mm -hmm. of the strategic leadership courses, I always try to get a speaker on codependency and I could never find anyone to, to work with this animal yeah. of codependence that I was still trying to understand. And she came up to me after the course and she said, I'm a recovered codependent. I'd love to write a book. And I said, well, I'm busy writing one. I've got 40 chapters of women's stories, but my brain hadn't recovered sufficiently yeah. to work with it. Mm. We had coffee. And she said, would you let me take those 40 chapters you've collected from women? Because I asked women to write the truth about their lives. Yes. So I said, take them, because I could do nothing with them. She took them in December. She came back with a structure. And from that, and in fact, she was a narcissist. She had become, she was a codependent who, because of the abuse in her family, had become a narcissist. So for two years, we wrote the book. Me from the point of view of being a codependent, 40 out of 40 on the score. Her from the point of view of being a recovering narcissist. Oh gosh, how amazing is that? Um, and the truth between us was absolute. And the night before we published the book, we said, yeah. I said, if, some, if a man shoots me in the head for telling the truth about men masturbation, men's sexual fantasies, I'm ready, do it. I've done my bit. And the book is still available? Yes. Yeah. Because yes. I know I have a signed copy, but where can people get it from? Well, it's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. I've got copies available. Yeah. Well, you know what? Get in touch. Um, message info at busoroleadershippartners.co.za and we'll get you in touch. Yeah. Oh, boy. That is like, Wow. You believe that the heart is much more powerful than the head. Well, isn't it a continuation of what we've just been talking about? Yeah. I had functioned till 55 on the brilliance of my mind and the emptiness of my heart. What had to happen? Mm. I had to reconnect with my heart because I had betrayed my heart by always coping with life intellectually, rationalizing, denying, projecting, defending, compensating, suppressing, all those wonderful defense mechanisms, yeah. covering up my hurt, covering up my anger. So what did, my, what did life do to me? It made me so depressed that I couldn't function. And remember, depression is sometimes anger turned inwards. Mm -hmm. 
So that's what collapsed me internally. Um, Why do you think we undermine the heart so much? Because it hurts. Mm. And if we want to... If we want to be alive and we want to be truthful and we want to be transparent and we want to be spontaneous, then you you are once one amongst a zillion of people who are into branded goods and big cars and big houses and um, status and all that plastic stuff. You transcend that if you live from the heart. You, you don't need the stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you just are appreciative of God giving you the life you have, the body you have, the strengths and weaknesses you have, um, and most importantly to own every emotion because your emotion is a messenger and your emotion is actually linked to your conscience. And your conscience is relinked to God. It's a direct connection to God. So if you betray your emotions, you're betraying your maker. So it's a messenger. We have to honor it. If it's a good message, go with it. If it's a bad message and it doesn't work for you and you don't have the resources to respond to what's being asked, your boundaries been crossed. And remember, codependents don't have boundaries. You have to learn to assert your boundary. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I'm going to be doing a lot of self-reflection. Uh, um, in your coaching practice, where you see women from top corporates, are women as liberated as they think they are? Do you still believe that it is a myth that people, women particularly, pull each other down? I do see a lot of women, particularly in our strategic leadership course, which we run under Macheka Mohala and Associates. Yeah. Um, two things seem to emerge in, in those groups regularly. The one is that, as I did, women have to become men to survive um, in the career world. And part that happens in that process is they recognize that they've sold out to chauvinism, paternalism, mm-hmm. and they've become exactly what, what hurt them. Yeah. So we work on, on them becoming feminine leaders. You can't get into a boxing ring with a man as a woman. He's going to beat you up. He's better at it. So you've got to find your femininity, which is empathy, compassion, intuition, the highest form of intelligence. And you've got to lead with what is natural to you. So that's one thing. The shift happens. The other thing is that women have a very hard time. Things haven't changed from the industrial relations officer at the Chamber of Mines feeling me up under the table. Today I would slap him or offering to lay me in the, in the lift quickly. Things haven't changed. The girls are all talking about how they are confronted with, well, darling, do me a favor and I'll see what I can do for you. Um, The one thing that I find fascinating in our groups, Dudu, is now people are openly introducing themselves as identity fluid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just wondering if that isn't a reaction to pain. Yeah, but like, yeah, that that's that's a whole thing that someone my age kind of goes. Mm. You've got separate toilets for somebody who doesn't understand whether they're boys or girls. Yeah. but it is, and we've got to understand it and and work with it. Yeah, no, the work of diversity and inclusion, it's sure. becoming. 
the whole gender conversation is just like evolving. Oh, so, such a continuum and we yeah, have to respect it. Yeah. And I'm open to it. I'm like, you know what? I well, my, my youngest son is gay. Yeah. Um, he came out at 19 very naturally. I'm so grateful. Yeah. And he married a man. Um, he was 35 recently, married a man, and we live alongside their home. Yeah. And they're the most wonderful couple. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm lucky. I mean, even when I was young, people used to come out and they'll say, oh, us do do. I'm like, why are you asking them to ask me? <laughs> <laughs> so my best friend is also bi. And, uh, and for me, it's just like natural. It's no, not you don't and see I actually it. dreamt about him before he came out to me. Mm-hmm. But I, I waited for him to, to, mm-hmm. to tell me. But, uh, so you also dream about things before they yes, happen? Yes, unfortunately. So that's a conversation we have with mom. It's like, ooh, you know, will I know? Or is that going to be the time where I really don't know, you know? Anyway, um, what's the most daring thing you've, uh, you have done in your life thus far? And what was the motive for doing it? As a family, we used to write up our bucket list. Yeah. And when my son, my youngest son turned 18, his um, wish was to jump out of an airplane. Oh, dear. So we did. Yes. But he got his own back. They made him really drunk the night of his 18th birthday. And yeah. he jumped out of that plane, still drunk and very green. <laughs> Does he rem- did he remember the experience? We all did. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, well, that's, I don't know if I will, I will do that. Bungee jumping and jumping out of a plane. I think about it, but I don't know if I will. Did you, there's a little interesting story there. I practiced yoga at the time. Yeah. I was petrified to do this. So, you know, there's the free fall. Mm-hmm. So first of all, you've got this guy ho- hooking up behind yeah. you. You, know, yeah. you don't know what to do, but anyway, you're going, okay, that's part of it, fine. <laughs> then you kind of hang there, and I just went into a yoga zone. Yeah. And I did the free fall, fall like this, and then yeah. when it opened, I could look. Yeah. And then when we landed, everybody said to me, wasn't the free fall fantastic? So I said, I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a lesson in that. Yeah. I missed the moment yeah and i'll never do that again <laughs> yeah no i used to love roller coasters as a child no yeah i used to love roller coasters so i always wonder maybe i'll get back i, I went to uh, victoria falls and i was like hmm, will i go down <gasps> no um i didn't i did the helicopter instead but <gasps> maybe i'll go back for the <laughs> jumping but anyway what traits do you admire most in others that you do not have and why do you admire that trait fire hmm I don't have fire. Um, I have, I'm water. I flow. Um, and that's why, in spite of my success in life and my abilities and my career, people have taken advantage of me. I, I can't say no. But in later life, part of my recovery from codependence was that the responsibility is mine to recognize that others come from different energy and to preempt that and to manage it yeah. and not to allow it yeah. because blaming anyone else doesn't, doesn't help. Yeah. And interestingly enough, recently I was tested on the spiral assessment again and I'm a yellow if that means anything, which is just quite a different person. Yeah. Um, and my responsibility came up in that test as having to evoke the red in me which is, of course, the, the energy and the fire. And there it is again. It's my responsibility to find the fire. Yeah. 
but um, I've always sure. thought it was ugly. The red. I've always thought, you know, people being hard and selfish and dogmatic was ugly. But sometimes that energy is necessary. Yeah. So the excuses are over. I need to find some fire. Yeah. I would like to take the test and see how I will show up. Because, um, mm, yeah, do do. <laughs> At an interview a few years back, you mentioned that you are fascinated by people getting lost in complexity when wisdom is really about kiss. Can you explain to our audience what you mean? I think when people talk fancy and use big words, it's, it's something they are working with at an intellectual level and haven't quite mastered mm. because kiss is keep it simple stupid. The only way you can teach something if you are able to reduce complexity to simplicity because then you've mastered it you've really understood it whilst you're still grappling with it and you're talking conceptually in principles yeah. um, it, you haven't mastered it mm. which is why I love strategy mm. and keeping it simple stupid mm. yeah I Your love games it and yeah play-doh and all those things kind of aesthetically to bring the message home yeah I must say I just had a, a, a quite a, a challenging uh, assignment with an international board and I think exactly that that people undermine simplicity and sometimes as adults there are times where I get them involved in something very childlike yes. to bring out that creativity and I think sometimes when we are professors and we are partners in these big firms you think that's below you and actually if you tap into that I think that's where you will find things that can actually be implemented because this organization was also struggling with implementation. They come up with things, but they're not really implemented. You would enjoy something um, that's just come to South Africa brought by Professor Rika Filyun, which is she started the Jungian Institute in South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, and all they use is basically creative modalities. Yeah. You get the you do a conscious drawing and you do an unconscious drawing and, the, and you get the two to talk to each mm. other. And in that way, you find your own universal intelligence yeah. and your own solutions, yeah. something you would love. I'm sure I would. I'm going to look into that. You believe that there's a difference between a job and a career. What is the difference and why is this distinction significant? A job is something you've been qualified to do, you've trained to do. We need to earn money, we need to pay our way through life. That's a job. Um, a career is where you find meaning, you find purpose, you find your flow. You know, we each have a 10% unique factor, something that I have that you don't know. And that's why we don't need to compete. So if we can find that 10% factor in ourselves and we can combine what gives us joy with our work. Mm. Um, and this, there are certain skills that people need to know which involve career rather than job. The first one is being strategic, mm -hmm. so understanding the bigger picture, then branding yourself authentically not to fit into somebody's yeah. preconceptions, but this is who I am and it's what I can offer. Then having a great network, then negotiating for what you want or bartering, 
and then being politically astute because that's what people do. They play mm. games not to have to take responsibility. Yeah. And in my research many years ago, I discovered that those were the five competencies that were stopping particularly women getting through the career ceiling. Once you teach women those five competencies, they fly. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. What have you observed over the 28 years in, of democracy in the quality of relationships and the African and white female, particularly dynamic in South Africa, in terms of sharing the space in the corporate and entrepreneurship spaces and access to opportunities. Any behaviors that stand out for you or experiences that you've heard about? Well, I think in, in that regard, my own story with Maggie Macheke is significant. Mm -hmm. And there was a TV program on her story. Mm. Um, and she really was my intern for many years and I gave her my company. And now she literally employs me and she calls me mama and her daughter's also called Renata. So we oh, don't lovely. see color, yeah. but we've always used our experience to show the unitedness that it can be, in spite of her having a very traditional background, me having a Western background. We go to their traditional weddings. She's part of our family. So every time we go into the corporate, we go together as one. Um, I do think that the relationships between women have still, there's a lot of work to do. I think it's the old diversity story. You go to a function and you see this color sitting there and that color sitting there. If they have to work together, they do. But I think there's still distance. Mm. And I think it's tragic that there is still distance. And when I work with diversity and belief systems, I always say, go and talk to the person that you're most threatened by, yeah. that you least identify with. Yes. Invite those people for dinner. Mm. Go out with those people because once you sit around a table, all those preconceptions and prejudices yes. will disappear. Yeah. But I think we still have a long way to go. Um, you know, when I, when I coach brilliant people, and I, and I, in order to kind of get them to, to be in touch with themselves, and I say, well, you know, who would you vote for? The belief system remains yeah. what it is mm. because of the tradition, the superstition, the fear, the need to be loyal. So the integration really hasn't occurred sufficiently. Yeah. I mean, part of why I do this Wisdom Personified conversations with Dudum Swami is exactly that. Because I also appreciate that people are not seeing role models across color and across gender. So people have grown-ups hearing about this person and those types of people, that's all they're going to mm. focus on. Uh, and I've been so honored having role models and mentors across gender, mm. races, and I think I am the human being I am because, because of that. And mm. I would love people to have access to that, which is part of why you I know, do Judy, this. When I do a talk and the audience is all black um, young ladies, the first thing I say is, well, what do you see? What do you perceive? What do you assume? And I, I then explain to them that I have no family other than my two sons because of the Hitler background. Um, and, and, and that's what my family went through, but it's not mine. Mm. 
Mm. It's not my life. And suddenly they kind of look at me differently. And the fact that I worked from when I was 13, yeah. never stopped from the day I was 13. So the perceptions do not apply to me. Yeah. So get to know the individual. That's the question. And, the, and, and, and what we're not doing, getting to know the individual. The mm. stereotypes are still very strong. Always one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. What advice would you give an individual looking for a mentor? Oh, that's, that's a bit of a difficult one. You know, this whole thing of mentorship and coaching was a profession that evolved um, maybe 20 years ago. And those of us who were trained social workers or trained shrinks were very uncomfortable with it because we'd been trained and these people were given packages that they applied to people's life situations. And you kind of think, well, is it going to do the trick? Um, but I think coaching has, has evolved tremendously. I think mentorship has evolved tremendously. It's a great responsibility. Mm. I think one has to split the two. Your mentor is in your organization. They can help you navigate the political scenario, but you always have to remember that your confidences are not safe with them. If you have an outside coach stroke mentor, they've sworn an oath of confidentiality. They cannot tell your stories. Their focus is you. You've got to find somebody who's done it, not somebody who is just preaching without the depth. And coaches and doctors, uh, coaches and mentors are a dime a dozen. You outgrow them. So find what you can with person A mm. and then move on. Yeah. If you've been matched with person A and you're not clicking, move on. Yeah. Um, and take somebody who challenges you. For, for example, a lot of people are very, very clever. And it's like with therapy. They play their mentor. That's not what you want. Mm. You're not going to grow. Somebody's got to call your games. Mm. They've got to push you further. So you've got to be open. It's like going for therapy. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts. Mm. If you're going to grow, it's going to hurt. Yeah. I must say, um, I launched, as you possibly know, mm. the Busara uh, leadership mentoring journey. Um, and Busara is Kiswahili for wisdom. So, um, and it is a privilege for people to seek you but I always find that people look at prominence if you have a public figure or a public profile and it's like no just because you have a public profile doesn't mean you'd necessarily have the skills or the expertise no, you, you're to, not necessarily a person of substance yeah. um, so it, it is a journey that I try and take people through to kind of say you yourself have to be a person of substance to realize that other people are of substance or not. But it's, it's an interesting journey that I'm on. <laughs> what is your most perfect day and what is happening on this day? Simplicity. Yeah. I have the most beautiful garden. Um, we have my son's side of the, the, the home has a pool. It would be to have my children there with their partners. It would be to have Maggie and Renata there. And a handful of friends have become my family. And we would all contribute. And um, we'd have our sun hats on and we'd be having a picnic. Yeah. A good glass of wine. And we'd be laughing. Yeah. Laughing at ourselves, laughing at life. Um, that would be my most perfect day. It's a perfect day, even when I imagine it. That's it's a good day. That's a good day. Um, as we wrap up, before we wrap up, what's on your bucket list still to do? 
My son, Kirby, mm -hmm. at 35, he was a serial entrepreneur, came to me and said, I think I'm done with this entrepreneurship. Mom, teach me everything you know. Mm. So I've taken him into my business and I'm teaching him everything I know. So it's legacy time. Um, it's tiring, but it's an incredible privilege. So he and Maggie work together, um, the three of us. Um, he started to take some of, over some of the topics that I used to lecture, which is a relief for me and a beginning for him. Mm -hmm. And he's also on the Jung journey with me, yeah. um, with Professor Rika Fulyun. And um, I think he's found himself at the ripe old age of 35. Yeah. Um, he's got a long journey ahead and I need to be at his side for the next five years yeah. um, to give him his feet and to give him the courage to do what lies ahead, which is yeah. to help one person at a time to find themselves. Well, I'm glad that he's evolved to find what he really wants to do. It's a privilege yeah. because he now sees me, you yeah. know, this peculiar mother. She's different. Yeah. Um, and I'm just amazed at the depth and the beauty he has. And, mm. of course, he's got 35 years of jolling behind him. Yeah. So he's really done life. Yeah. And he's lived by his instincts um, and done it rough. Yeah. Um, but that makes a different kind of beautiful person. Yeah. That will make a very good mentor for somebody as well. So in wrapping up, what wisdom would you like to enrich us with? What we, was that? you would like to enrich us with as we end this conversation? Feel your feelings. Ask yourself what they're telling you. First of all, honor yourself in terms of what you are capable of giving to the world so that you don't do it with resentment. Mm -hmm. Always be respectful to others. You don't know what they've been through. Be kind and try and find creative win-win solutions. And it doesn't always mean I win and you lose. Creative solutions can be there's one orange between us. You might want the, the skin for the zest and I might want to eat the, eat the orange. Mm. If we apply ourselves with good spirit and come to the table with good intent, we can do this together. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Hmm. Wow. I don't have words for this one. I hope you enjoyed it because I'm totally different from before I sat on this chair. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Durumsomi. Please also like, follow and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Durumsomi is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Enjoy the wisdom journey.